Happy Easter to everyone. Um, there is um, bulletins for the kids in the back. Make sure you get those. There have been various people throughout the years who have held the title king. From royalty of actual kings to popular people of the area, of the era, and many times each one has had their own way of doing things. Each one has earned the title of king for something. Let's see if you know the name of these kings. Here's the first one. Anyone know who he is? King Henry VIII. King of England, um, he's very famous for what? Killing his wives. Oh, hail the king, right? King of England from um, in 18 or in 1509 until his death in 1547, best known for his six marriages and his effort to have his first marriage annulled. And he got so tired of the religious disagreement he had with the Pope Clement VII. So that he started his own church, and he became the, the leader of the Church of England and started having more religious fights there. He also had a great way of getting rid of anybody who disagreed with him. He'd consider it treason and have them executed without a trial. Anybody who did this, he got rid of. This king failed. Who is this king? Oh, that's right. The El Elvis. He never claimed to be king, even though he was one of the industries declared him the most talented singer, best guitar player, gifted songwriter. He became the king because he drew the largest and most enthusiastic crowds and sold more records than any of his other contemporaries at his time. Throughout his career, he made several movies that highlighted his music, and then many stories started coming out about his lifestyle. Like he moved in with his girlfriend at the age of 14, married her when she was 16. Um, then he started having promiscuous lifestyle after that. He died of a heart attack likely brought on by his addiction to uh, barbiturates. This king failed. How many of you know this king? Michael Jackson. He became known as the king of pop. That's right. A nickname that publicists embraced. He didn't declare this. Actually, Elizabeth Taylor gave him this. Um, when he won, uh, won the Soul Train Heritage Award in 1989, she called him the true king of pop, and the name stuck. Now, he started off as a little cute black boy in his family uh, band called the Jackson Five, right? His popularity grew. He was the showmanship. And from his strange behavior from minors constantly changing facial features due to plastic surgery, and his ever-whitening skin all added to a tarnished reputation. On June 25, uh, 2009, Jackson died of a cardiac arrest, heart attack, at the age of 50. And it is caused by a lethal combination of sedatives and propofol. Propofol. I can't say that right. But So this king failed. But those are all in the past. What about, who knows this king? What's his name? 
LeBron James, American basketball player with the Lakers here. You can see James first um, got national attention at the top of his high school basketball career in the country with his unique combination of size, um, athleticism, and court vision. He became four-time NBA MVP. After leading the Miami Heat to titles in 2012 and 13, he returned to Cleveland, helped them get their first uh, championship in 16. Then it started really getting spread that he was King James. Now, how did he get the title? Does anyone know? He gave it to himself. He called himself King James back in high school. Tells you what he thought of himself then. He started doing this between his sophomore and junior year. He's also very well known for speaking out on social issues on the U.S. He's spoken out about defunding the police, about how his police shooting of black men is intentional and fueled by racism. He mocked Kyle Rittenhouse after the, um, after the court hearing. His anti-white statements have caused many NBA fans to burn their jerseys. This king has failed. All of these individuals, all these people who were given the title king, inherited it, or even proclaimed it upon themselves, have failed. Not one of them has been able to live up to the title king. Nobody really liked King Henry VIII. You just didn't want to say it. Because he would kill you. And if you wanted to marry in for wealth, it was going to be a short-lived time to use that wealth. If you look throughout history, every king fails. In one way or another, they fail. Maybe not in huge ordeals. Maybe they're in small things, but they still fail. We know this because they are people. They're flawed people just like us. When we started this Easter series, in the first sermon, I said a phrase, everyone follows someone. Whether it's a monarch, a politician, a famous athlete, or celebrity, it could even be a family member or, or a very dear friend, but everyone follows someone. But here's the truth about this. The people we choose to follow always fail us. No one should be shocked by this. Scripture tells us this, Romans 3.23, For everyone has sinned, all of us. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Everyone sins. My, my grandpa, uh, Blake, he, man, he was a five-foot-two piece of muscle. That's all he was. I've seen him punch out a horse, uh, literally hit the horse, and it fell over. He was strong. But I've heard him cuss. He failed in his moral integrity there. I saw him do things that were not proper. And as much as I wanted to be like a, my cowboy grandpa, I didn't want to be like that. He failed. Even people we know and love fail in different areas. People remember when their kings, their ones they follow, have failed them, whether it's when the scandal surfaced or when the person they devoted their life to leaves, even dies. Everyone follows someone. Last week, we looked at how David, King David, messed up in bringing the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. His mistake cost Uzzah's life, a man his life. David instead had to go back and read Scripture to see how God desired things. And when, God, when David did it God's way, he was found dancing in pure worship 
to God. In that sermon, I told us, I said, everyone worships something. While we as Americans would proudly proclaim we don't worship idols, many times we do. We worship power, fortune, popularity. There are people who even attend here who worship their work. They spend all their time and their energy on their jobs. When they do that, they are worshiping, making job their idol. There are people who worship their reputation, doing everything they can to make sure their reputation is what they want it to be, lifting it up. Some people worship their ideas of social justice. Whatever the late social injustice claims, they give it their entire focus. A big idol in America is sports. That's why you all knew LeBron James. Like, I can't stand basketball, NBA basketball, because uh, you want to get paid that much to throw a ball in a little circle. That's, that's my feelings. Now, some people love it. There's going to be a guy who comes up later. He loves it. He loves basketball. And, and it's a personal opinion and preference. How many times do we devote our time, our schedules, to make sure we watch or participate in this sport? We even push away godly things to partake or participate in sports. When I get to talk to non-Christians about Jesus, most of the time, they like what they hear, Okay. They like the idea that Jesus loves them. They like the idea that Jesus died for them and Jesus makes a way for them. They usually start balking at the idea or getting upset when they hear the scriptures where Jesus says, Give up everything for me. That's what Jesus says. How can Jesus have the right to tell me to reject, give up everything of my life, everything I like for him? to put their whole lives, their desires, their passions at His feet. It seems absurd to them. But what I'd like to tell them is Jesus isn't the only one who asks for everything. Everything in your life asks for everything. Everything asks for all of your life, to give your all, for every last drop of your allegiance. If you don't believe that, just spend 24 hours with a toddler. They demand your attention. And it doesn't change when they turn into teenagers. They still demand attention. It's a little different way. But everything asks for all, for your all, for every last drop of your allegiance. Power does. Sexual fulfillment does. Athletics does. Your significant others. Your jobs. Jesus isn't unique in saying, you need to give me all. The Bible says it this way in Psalms 115, verse 4 and 5. Their idols are merely things of silver and gold shaped by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak and eyes but cannot see. When we cry out to idols, that's what they're saying. They can't save us. They're dead. It's it's the paradox of an idol, unlike Jesus, is that when we worship an idol, we give it our power. We're the ones who give it life. Alcohol can be a god to people. They, they use it to give them relaxation or courage. Money can be a god if we worship it. We all worship something. But worshiping earthly things always leads to disappointment. Always. 
Elvis fans and Michael Jackson fans were disappointed in the lifestyle of their heroes there, of those two celebrities. Sports fans were disappointed that LeBron James doesn't just keep his mouth closed and play the game the right way and just play the game so we can celebrate that. Half of England was disappointed when King Harry worked so hard to annul his marriages and brought about the corruption in his own reign. The things and the people of this world are going to disappoint you. If you focus on wealth, on power, it's always going to disappoint you. You will never get enough. You'll end, eventually give up parts of your own life to attain more and more like King Henry did or those other celebrities. The more you give attention to these peoples, to these things of the earth, the more you are worshiping them. The more you are worshiping them. And their crowns keep getting tarnished. When we started, this was all very neat and, and tidy, and people were just amazed at this. And yeah, I did make this. It, it took me a little bit. And then as we started doing it, we started seeing how it was breaking apart. And it was getting tarnished. Because of the kings that we follow, the kings that we look at, always fail us. And the crowns that they wear start falling apart. It, it becomes more worthless. For three weeks now, I've stood up here talking about kings, and you all know where we were going with this. You know what I'm alluding to. What we're going to come to is that those kings are not right, but Jesus is our king. But how does Jesus fit into this? How does Jesus come to this ruined, tarnished crown? Because this isn't the crown that he should be wearing. This is tarnished. And yet through this, God expects you. He expects me to follow Jesus. Even in the tarnished crown, God expects full devotion. Because we all follow someone. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, that means any of us who choose to follow him, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. Give me your full allegiance is what he's saying. And this is not a suggestion, it is a command. The command who is assuming the kingship over us. Jesus is commanding, if you want to be in my kingdom, this is what you must do. You must give up everything else and follow me. He doesn't just say this once. In Matthew 6.33, he says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Above sports, relationships, money, power, reputation. Live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Everything we do must be focused on Jesus. Those are his words. The Bible also tells us what we're supposed to worship in Exodus 23. You shall have no other gods before me. Deuteronomy 6.13. You will fear the Lord your God and you shall worship him and swear by his name. You shall not follow other gods, any of the gods of the people who surround you. Right here, God is acknowledging that there are going to be false gods, false kings. Jesus reiterates this in Luke 4.8. The scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. See what this is telling us? Everyone worships something, and God commands us to worship Him. He expects us to follow Him, and He commands us to worship Him. And you know what? It sounds like every other king that's ever been in power. Like any other celebrity, politician, or athlete. Anybody know who this person is? Katy Perry. 
Now, there is a writer. These are things that celebrities want in their dressing room or how they're going to do things, Kate. Carrie, Katy Perry has been deemed one of the celebs that deserves our attention and devotion. When she is booked for a concert, she has a 45-page list of demands that must be met before she will arrive. From extra workers to prepare her fruits and vegetables, two cream-colored egg chairs, one has to have an ottoman, ornate French lamps, a glass door refrigerator, and none of the staff are permitted to talk to her. Those are just some of the things on there. Many of the actors and athletes today have ridiculous demands. And when I was doing this, I thought, what a bunch of spoiled, entitled brats. But is this a new thing? It's just the younger generation, right? Does anybody know who this guy is? Paul McCartney, famous singer from the, the Beatles. He has a list of demands. Nowhere in his room or limo, and he, ha he has to have a limo, can there be anything leather or animal print, not even fake leather or fake animal print. He wants six full and leafy floor plants, no trees. It also states we want plants that are just full at the bottom, not just like um, palm or bamboo. He wants them all the way down. No tree trunks. He doesn't like tree trunks, apparently. His plant choices have to include at least $150 for a large arrangement of white Casablanca lilies with lots of foliage, $40 for one long stem arrangement of pale pink and white roses with lots of foliage, and at least $135 arrangement of freesia. Comes in various colors, so please mix them up and make sure they have lots of foliage. He must like leaves. He also has to have 20 white towels and 24 bars of ivory soap. What's he going to do, roll around in the dirt with all the plants? This list of demands is ridiculous. All these stars have them from multi-million dollar rooms that they have to set up just before they'll come in. All these demands on the stages, and yet people do it. And I'm not just talking celebrities, I'm also talking about sports stars. People fulfill these demands because they believe this person is worthy of this list, of these demands. And we fall right into it. Jesus also demands something. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Jesus commands, he demands that we love God above everything else here. So how is Jesus any different than any of those other kings, or any of those celebrities or politicians? Whether you want to serve Jesus or not, whether you want to follow him or not, whether you're going to worship Jesus or not, does not change the truth, does not change the facts. Jesus is King and Lord regardless of what we believe. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. I can tell you that my wife loves me, and a lot of you doubt that, because why? But she does. The truth is, she does. There is truth that cannot 
be changed just because of how we feel about it. Truth is only Jesus is worthy. Only Jesus is qualified to be our real king. You don't have to believe the truth to give it validity. Truth is truth, no matter how we feel about it. And that means truth can hurt or make us upset or even offend us. Truth is, if you have an XY chromosome, you are a male. If you have double X chromosome, you are female. It doesn't matter what you think or feel. If I say I identify as a seven-foot black woman, the truth is I'm deluded. Because that's not what I am. Truth is, no matter what you think or what you feel, truth cannot be changed. The truth is, Jesus died on the cross. The truth is, Jesus paid the price for your sins. The truth is, Jesus was raised three days later. The truth is, the tomb is empty. Whether you believe it or not doesn't change the truth. Jesus is the king. He is the ruler. He is the only one, regardless of what we feel. But here's the difference between Jesus and anything or anyone else who demands our attention. All those other things that demand our allegiance use fear and false promises to force us to get what they want. To fill their demands or they won't do the concerts. Follow what they want or you lose out. Drink this and you're going to have the time of your life. All these things demand things from you to get what they want. Jesus completely different. He's very unique in this. While Jesus does command us to follow him, while he does expect us to worship him, he does something polar opposite of anything else. Jesus gave up everything first. He gave up everything first. He left the throne room of heaven to come into this world because of us. He purposely, willingly went went through all the, the beatings and the sufferings because of you. He willingly laid down and let them pound the nails into his hands and his feet because of you. He willingly endured hours of agonizing pain beyond what we can ever understand. When he had the power and the choice to end that, he willingly gave that to you and I. He pursues us. He dies for us. He gives up everything. And then he says, now come to me. There's no force. It's his love that should compel us to lay down our lives and say, you know what, you'll do that for me? Absolutely, I'll do it back. That's the only appropriate response when we understand how great his sacrifice for us. Because Jesus is someone worthy. He is someone worth giving my life to. He is a king that is worth it. Unfortunately, some of us settle for idols, even though we don't realize it. I've heard people in in church laugh at the imagery of Old Testament as if we're more enlightened. We'd never do anything so foolish as to bow down to some carved idol. Yet nothing has changed except for the clothes we wear, or the clothes the idols wear. 
When's the last time that a bottle of alcohol really satisfied and fixed your life? When's the last time that it forgave you, gave you joy, or fully loved you? It can't because it's been crafted by somebody else, by someone's hands. What a lot of people realize is that an idol can be anything. It can be a good thing, like relationships or work. Those are good things. The problem is, even good things can become a lower G God to us. Young people are especially tempted to orbit their lives around significant others. Suddenly a switch flips in the heart and we get all that satisfaction, worth, and identity from that person. And we start elevating that person up and we start idolizing them. This is my person. This is the one. And we do that, we end up squeezing the life out of them and killing the relationship. Only one person has the ability to sustain us with what we need, and that is God, that is Jesus. When we worship Jesus, we can love somebody else because, you know how my wife loves me? Because she loves God first. And it has to be that order. Because if she puts me first, then I'm her idol, and I am going to fail her. Because I can't be God. Idols are fickle, be a person, alcohol, sex, anything. They all make very cruel gods, yet God is constant. Always forgiving, always loving, never changing. One of the biggest traits of an idol is that we are blinded to it. We, they seem so normal to us. That's the allure and power of an idol. We usually don't know it's one until it's been taken away from us. I loved baseball when I was younger. I just I loved playing baseball. I loved being catcher and everything. And, and I had a bad coach. They really started ruining it for me. And I jumped for a pop fly and broke my hands. And I couldn't play. And it, it irritated me that I couldn't play baseball anymore. And I was mad. I was frustrated because that idol was taken away. And I didn't realize how much I had it in my life. We don't know it until it gets taken away. But Jesus doesn't need defending. He never defended himself, but gave himself as an offering in the process to defeat evil. This crown started looking good. And slowly, as we looked at the kings of the world, it started falling apart. And, and what started out looking good is now broken. Just like everything else in the world is broken. People in America have really made government their idol for years. And look how broken it is. Whenever we lift something or someone from the earth up, it gets broken and it gets tarnished. They fail us. They use fear and manipulation to control us. Their demands are focused on their own desires. Everything you ever devoted yourself to here on earth will fail you if it hasn't already. Everything we worship here on earth is going to fade away and be counted as worthless, which means this crown is defective. This isn't what we need because it's broken. We need a king. We need someone new to follow. And so this Easter, we need to remove the fake crowns. We need to get rid of these. And start revealing the real crown. 
We need to get rid of the fake shiny and show the real crown that we need. The one that only Jesus could hold. The one that Jesus willingly partook of. We need a real crown. Something that holds weight. Something that holds power. Something that shows ultimate love. The other one was nice. It was shiny. But it was defective. We need a real crown. And Jesus took and forsook that to wear this. He willingly put on this crown, which brought with it all the death and the punishment I deserve. He willingly got rid of a royal crown that he deserved to put this on that I deserve. Why would I not want to follow him? Why would I not want to give it to him? He took took what he deserved, a, a crown of royalty, And instead he laid down, laid on the cross. He took the sin that I did, the sin that you did, and he purposely clung to it. He took our sin that caused him to wear this crown of thorns. He died on the the cross for us. He died holding on to the sins that we chose to do. He died carrying the punishment for my sins. Jesus went into the depths of hell for you. He took your sin and He paid the price. He did this for you willingly, for your soul. He wore the thorns. He was pierced in the side. Jesus was buried in the tomb. All to show that the crown that we need someone to wear. But He didn't stay. He didn't stay in the pit of hell. He didn't even stay in the tomb. Romans 6, 9 says, For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over Him. Jesus arose from the grave. That's the difference between this king and any other king. He willingly wore this crown. He allowed the crown to be pushed, shoved, thrusted on his head so that he could take our punishment and become the king we really need. He took this to the grave so we don't have to. Philippians 2 says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name above every other name. God raised Jesus three days up after the cross, after he was laid in the tomb. He was bruised, beaten, and his broken body started to breathe once more. This dead, lifeless body, this corpse, stood up and was alive. And then God gave Jesus the place of honor, of royalty. God recrowned him with glory and royalty because Jesus wore this crown. Because he willingly wore this. Now he has the crown of all crowns. He wears the crown of pure holiness and righteousness. We can come here today because of what Jesus did. Romans 8.34 Who will then condemn us? 
No one, for Christ Jesus died for us. He was raised to life for us, and He is sitting at a place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. This is an idea of the throne room. Who sits in the throne room? Kings. In the book of Revelation, Jesus is called the perfect lamb and the lion of Judah. He is the only one who can truly rule with authority and love. Jesus is the only one worthy of worship to follow because of his grace and mercy. Everyone follows someone. Everyone worships something. Most people in power and authority force you to give them your allegiance. But Jesus gives you a choice. Only He can truly fulfill what you need and what you hope for. The last two weeks I've asked, who do you follow? What do you worship? To get today we come to proclaim that Jesus, Jesus alone, is worthy of our devotion. Jesus alone took our sins. He paid the debt and He rose from the dead. Jesus alone is worthy to be our King. Our world is so full of division and hate right now. There are so many things competing and vying for your devotion and attention. They want you to give them this. They want you to do this. They want you to follow this. God proclaimed that Jesus alone is our King. And when we give up the rest of that stuff, when we focus on seeking His kingdom, when we follow in His footsteps, then we start living and seeing the life we truly need. I've seen so many people on on videos and social media that are just crying out for substance. They're wanting something that is true, something that's going to be of meaning. And it's because the world exalts the royal-looking crown and takes this and thinks it's trash. We need to truly look at it and see who is our real king. Who is the one we are devoting ourselves to? God proclaimed that Jesus alone is our king. In Psalm 2, it's a declaration of anointing a new king. And they would say this when Israel would uh, crown a new king, but listen to it. Because this is more than just putting a crown on some person's head. Listen to what it really says. Why? Because this really sounds like today. Why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord and against His anointed one. Let us break their chains, they cry, and free ourselves from slavery to God. But the one who rules in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then in anger he rebukes them, terrifying them with his fierce fury. For the Lord declares, I have placed my chosen king on the throne in Jerusalem, my holy mountain. God has declared who is king. And one day when all this world is, is going to have to face the judgment, because there are wars happening out there, whether across the seas or in our homes. There are wars happening. There's division. There is hate. And God is up there when we try to get away from His, his righteousness, when we try to get away from His holiness. He's like, if you only knew, because I did this for you so you wouldn't have to deal with that. 
If you would let go of the hate, if you let go of your ideas and really look at what Scripture says, then you will know peace. Then you will know love. Then you will know fulfillment. Sleeping be- with someone before marriage tonight. Getting drunk, drugs tonight. Putting work before family, putting family before God tonight. Who do you follow? Who do you worship? Because there is one king who is worthy of our allegiance. There's one king who laid down his life, who purposely wore the real crown so that we could actually be counted as kings and queens in the kingdom. He picked up this. And then those who follow him, when we enter into heaven, he places a crown of righteousness on us. He deems us as worthy to be in the kingdom of God. I think that's a cause for celebration. That's my Jesus. We're about to come to one of the best times in service. Where we get to stop, where we get to worship God, where we get to focus on His His life that He poured out for us. So as we go into the next part of the service, would you think about that? Listen to the words of the communion meditation when that comes. And when you come and take the drink, when you come and take the bread, remember the real crown. And then will we as a church? Worship Him. That first song we sang, fear goes away when I praise Him. We're going to sing it again at the end, but really listen to that because when we praise our King, fear flees. Whatever you're fearing from the kings of this world, lay it down and let Him wear the crown. Let's stand. We're going to go to God in prayer, and then we're going to get back into worship. God, we praise You. Lord, only you could be the righteous and the true king who could wear the crown that we need. And God, we thank you for that. Forgive us for, for worshiping the false crown idols of this world. Forgive us for following their demands and rejecting you so many times. And God, as a church, help us to repent when we worship traditions, when we worship ways or people in the church instead of you. And your work. And Lord, today, as the so many people across the world are stopping to actually think about resurrection, about the empty tomb, help us as your kingdom people, the citizens of heaven, to proudly proclaim, to righteously rejoice, and tell others that you are the risen king because you are risen indeed. Lord, we thank you so much, and in your name we pray. Amen.